We are in a series right now called In Living in Jesus' Name. And um, when I pray in Jesus' name, I, I'm specifically thinking two things. First of all, that I'm desiring for what it is I'm praying for to happen through the power of Jesus and for the glory of Jesus. Through the power of Jesus and for the glory of Jesus. I know that I have things deeply held on my heart that I see needing work around me in the world. That I know that there's no possible way that I can affect those things (laughs) to bring about a positive outcome. And I wonder if each of us might have those things. When we're identifying those deepest cries of our heart is the perfect opportunity to pray for those things in Jesus' name. To ask that the power of Jesus would be at work in that situation in a way that he only can bring about change. And that the outcome of that situation would bring him honor and glory in this world. We're going to listen to a beautiful song that is a prayer in Jesus' name. And during this time, I'm going to encourage you to consider what is that deep heart cry that you have What is that situation that you want to just again bring before our Lord Jesus and ask his power to be on move, that his glory might shine and be on display there? Take this opportunity to pray and reflect. Jesus over you in your hurting in your sorrow I will ask my God to move I speak the name cause it's all that I can do in desperation I'll seek heaven and pray this for you I pray for your healing that circumstances would change I pray that the fear inside would flee In Jesus' name I pray that a breakthrough Would happen today I pray miracles over your life In Jesus' name In Jesus' name I speak the name of all authority Declaring blessings, every promise He is faithful to keep I speak the name no grave could ever hold He is greater, He is stronger He's the God of possible I pray for your healing the circumstances would change I pray that the fear inside would flee In Jesus' name I pray that a breakthrough Would happen today I pray miracles over your life In Jesus' name In Jesus' name Come believe it, come receive it. The power of His Spirit is now forever yours. Come believe it, come receive it. In the mighty name of Jesus, all things are possible. Circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee. In Jesus' name, I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life. In Jesus' name, I pray for revival. 
restoration of faith. I pray that the dead will come alive in Jesus' name, in Jesus' Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Were your hearts connected to something that, that you need Jesus to show up? He's here. He's with us right now. Our Jesus is here with us now. And He loves us. And He cares about us. And He wants to deliver some good news to us. Some motivation for us. We're going to look today at one of the heart cries of Jesus. In the final third of the book of John, a large, chapter, a large chunk, actually chapters 13 to 17, cover one night. They cover the night of the Last Supper, where He is with His disciples, He washes their feet, they eat a meal together, and He tells them that... He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be denied. But that their hearts don't have to be troubled. He tells them they can trust God through this time. He tells them that the Holy Spirit will come and indwell them and advise them. And that ultimately their sadness will be turned to joy. And he finishes this time of teaching in, in, in uh, chapter 16, verse 33, by saying this. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Then, chapter 17, Jesus enters into what has become known as the high priestly prayer. Jesus is our great high priest, Hebrews tells us, who empathizes with us in our weakness because he was tempted and tried in every way that we have been, and yet he was without sin. And so he is able to be our representative in front of the throne of heaven, and he prays on our behalf. And here he is doing that. In chapter 17, holds this high priestly prayer. And he begins it by looking up to heaven. And he speaks with the Father and he says this, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that he can give back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Jesus is saying here that he is fully aware of this moment, of the weight of this moment. He knows that every last second that he has with these disciples is precious. He knows that uh, he, he so strongly desires for them to hear him pouring out his heart because the time for his life to end is coming. And then he takes a moment and he prays for these disciples. He prays that they would be strong, that they would know that they are loved, that they would be united together. And then Jesus prays for us. He prays for you. He prays for me. And this is our primary text that we will we will uh, jump out of today. And this is ch uh, chapter 17, verses 20 to 24. Jesus says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they may be one as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, I pray that they may be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and they are in me. May they experience such perfect unity 
that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. What a prayer, right? Jesus' heart cry is that we would be one. We're going to look at two key terms that are used in this prayer. The first one is glory, right? The word glory in Hebrew is kabod or kavad. Everybody say that. Well done. Good job. It sounded great. It, it's, its literal translation is that it is something weighty or heavy. It is something that matters with significant importance. It cannot be ignored. That's what glory is. And it, it specifically, in primary fashion, shows up for two categories when referring to God. First of all, it speaks of God's authority over the world, that he is glorious in his rule, in his reign. There is no part of the creation that he is not in complete authority over. His glory is on display. And the second is his visibility in the world. That Creation can see the glory of God. And then we have this phrase, one. And in Hebrew, the word is echad. Oh, get that back of the throat. Go ahead. Oh, I got some wet. That's all right. Echad. It's a good one. It literally means the first number. It, 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 it's, it's one, okay? But it refers to being unified together and being unique. It is both things. So in Genesis chapter 2, it says that the two will become one flesh, echad. But it also says that, that there was day one of creation, that the first day of creation was unique to day two. And the interesting thing is that our God is mysteriously one unique, one unified nature and three unique persons. He is one. It also means that he is unique among all other gods. And so there's this, this famous prayer that's in Deuteronomy and then Jesus reminds us of it again. Um, before speaking of the great commandment in Mark, when he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. He means your God is unified and your God is unique among all other gods. So into this, with this knowledge, Jesus prays that we would be one and that our oneness would bring him glory. We are called to mysteriously unify as one people. Here's how that is spoken to in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. It says, And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews will believe the good news, share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are a part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Most of us in this room are Gentiles. Gentiles is essentially all non-Jewish people. Here we have the Jewish people being united with all other people to become one family. This is a mysterious plan for unification that we are being called to. And then it goes on to say this, we are also called to bring a unique message to the world. And this follows up in that same chapter of Ephesians. It says, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out 
through Christ Jesus our Lord. Our oneness is the the answer to a mystery that has been wondered about even in the heavens up until this point. God, how are you going to bring salvation to all people? We don't understand it. The angels didn't even understand this. And here the oneness of the church, of Jews and Gentiles being allowed into one family through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and faith in Him, making one group of people in Christ. That's the reveal of the mystery. And our oneness carries that message out into the world, that all people are welcome in. Now, oneness does not mean sameness. That's important. It means holding a shared purpose so strongly that our differences are only strengths. They're only more texture, more detail, more beauty. We have this incredible picture of community in Acts chapter 2. After the The disciples have been filled with the Holy Spirit and they've gone out into Jerusalem and they've preached in multiple languages and 3,000 people are saved. Then we have this depiction of the the community of the church and it says that they shared their meals together, they they, uh, helped one another with their needs, it says that they listened to the teachings of the apostles, but it also says, and they had everything in common. That doesn't mean that they all started to wear purple every day. And they all shaved a a line in the middle of their head so they'd really stand out. The reverse mohawk. They didn't do that. It means that what they held in common was so important to them that their, their differences were only strengths. The giftings that they had were only used to benefit the rest. And so it just seemed to all of them like everything they had was in common. All that I have is for the benefit of the good, the group. We're we're all in this together for the same purpose, to be one so that it can share the glory of Jesus with the world. Through our oneness, God's glory is made known in the world. Now, God understands that this is a mysterious concept, that it is, it is a big one for us to wrap our brains around. And so I'm very grateful that throughout Scripture, there's multiple analogies, multiple pictures that are used to help us understand oneness. And we're going to look at three of those today. The first is that we are called to be one light. We are called to be one light. Light reveals reality. That's what light does. Where light shows up, reality is revealed. When I was 18, I had a group of friends who we went on a camping trip together. We went up to Gold, Pennsylvania in Tioga County. Have any of you ever been to Gold, Pennsylvania? I didn't think so. I wouldn't have been there either if I didn't have a friend who grew up there and his dad had a house way back in the mountains and he heated his home with firewood Throughout the year, his dad would go up into the woods and he would chop down dead trees and he'd make piles throughout his property. And then once a year, my friend would gather a couple of his buddies and we, and we, we went up and we spent a weekend uh, living up in this ramshackle shanty house that was hilarious. It had no insulation. It was freezing cold, but it was, hilar- it was so fun. So fun. Up in the mountain. And every day, we'd go around to these different piles and we'd load the truck and drive it down to his dad's house and fill his garage with wood for the winter. So when we first got up there, we we went to his dad's house, and his dad came out and said, hey, the neighbor has a farm with some dairy cows, and coyotes have been getting in and killing some of his baby cows. And so so, uh, I want you to take shotguns up with you into the woods, and uh, if you get a chance... Let's help the farmer out with this coyote problem, okay? Now, I grew up doing a little bit of hunting, but it's not my thing. But my friends were all about this. This was the greatest adventure of all. So we took a bunch of shotguns up, and that night we're around a campfire, and it's very dark, and we start to hear the howls of coyotes kind of surrounding us. And my friends were like, oh, yeah, it's go time. 
They go into the ramshackle shanty and grab a bunch of shotguns and just start handing them out. And I get handed a shotgun and uh, go with a friend in one direction. And others go other ways. And we walk it and we get to this clearing. We just kind of stop. And I hear behind me, I hear the rustling of the branches and I turn with my shotgun that I've, I, I should have probably done some target shooting or something like that before, but I start to point my shotgun at this area of noise. And I hear it again and my friend has the flashlight. And he comes over and he kind of passes by like this, but it's one of those times where you see there is something there, right? I don't really remember this, but I want to remember it being like the glint of the eyes, like the lion that you always see in the cartoons behind the bushes, you know? But there was something there, and so I focused in my aim a little more, and then my friend's flashlight came back into that area, and as I'm getting ready to, uh, to do something uh, violent, the, a cow walks out of the brush. <laughs> right into the uh, clearing about 10 yards in front of me. You guys, I almost shot a cow in the face. <laughs> I, I, am, <laughs> I am very glad that the light revealed the reality of the situation because I was about to make a really bad mistake. Right? That's what light does. Light reveals reality. Here's how... Here's how um, it's spoken of in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, For God, who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. God made light that shines and it, 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 it casts darkness away in the physical sense, in our world, and we see and know and understand that principle but God's using that, that um, ability to know that and understand that to speak to a spiritual reality. And that is that God has allowed us to see that we are sinners in need of a Savior, that Jesus is the Savior, and that if we would confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the light of God shining on our hearts to reveal Jesus. That's what that means. And so if you are here today and you have never placed your faith in Jesus, maybe today the light is shining on Jesus in such a way that makes him seem like the one that you've been waiting for. He loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to walk through this life with you. That's our Jesus. And so God reveals light to our hearts, but then he calls us to be children of the light. This is John, this is Jesus speaking in John chapter 12. Put your trust in the light while there is still time, then you will become children of the light. So once you have had the light revealed to your heart, that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, that you have darkness that needs the healing, cleansing light of Jesus. If you have received that, then you start carrying that light around with you. 1 Peter 2 says it this way, You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For He called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. We are to live a different way now. We were in darkness. Now we are different. We, there's a lot of huge titles there. Royal priests, holy nation. Wow. Our lives should look completely different, should stand out in a very dark world. So let's look at some practical things that we could start working on here. To reveal reality, the first thing we need to do is to expose our darkness to the light. My friends, all the way through our life, we are works in progress. Amen? Amen? We constantly are in need of the light of Jesus to reveal new areas that are in need of work. And so the first thing we need to do is to confront the shadows, confront the shadows that are within us, 
So speak truthfully about your struggles to God and to trusted helpers. The second is this. Once once you've received that wisdom and you're making a plan, walk through the shadows. Walk through the shadows. I'm so grateful for my wife, Laura, for many reasons. But one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm just repeatedly appreciating about her is her way with words. And she has pointed me recently to the importance of the word through. The word through. You think about David in Psalm 23 when he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, right? The word through means there's another side to this. We're not stuck here. This is not where we live. This is our situation right now, but it is not where we are called to live. There is another side to this. And so we walk through our shadows, amen? We, we, we identify them, we confront them, and then we make a plan, and we are people on the move. And we walk through our shadows. Something that helps me to walk through the shadows is music. And so something that I, I enjoyed doing this week was making a playlist for you guys and uh, of songs that are helpful for me to walk through the shadows. On the back of your sermon guide are some QR code links to those. If you are into that and you'd like to stream those, there's one for Apple Music, there's one for Spotify, and uh, they just have some recommendations. But you probably have your own. And maybe you want to put together some songs that are your Through Shadows playlist you can do while, while you're walking through this. The next thing that we need to do to expose our darkness to the light is to keep our eyes fixed on the light of Jesus. He is with you. He is for you. What practices do you have that keep your eyes fixed on Jesus? Something I've been doing every morning during my prayer time is I've been lighting a candle. I light a candle in front of me and I think of it as being the light of Jesus coming into my reality. And then I pray that Jesus would burn up all of the darkness that's within me. And when I have received that peace, I blow that candle out and I believe that it is that the light of Jesus is living within me and that I am a person that walks through this life with the light of Jesus. That's a kind of reminder. I want to give us a moment during this service to focus on the light of Jesus. And so Kyle is going to put a light on that cross right there. We're going to bring all the other lights down in this room. And I just want to give you one minute, 60 seconds of time, to focus on Jesus, on the light that he has for you. Fix our eyes on you, Jesus, and we believe that you are here with us. We're so grateful for your cross, for, for your victory over Satan, sin, and death, and for the resurrection that gives us life. We fix our eyes on you. Once we have exposed the darkness in our own heart to his light, then we hold that light for one another. We start close. We start with the people that are right with us. Every day, every day we have that opportunity. And here's two very simple things that we need to remember, that we show up. 
Through our presence with people, you do the ministry work of Jesus. Telling people the simple phrase, you are not alone, and really meaning it, really believing that God is with them, and that you are there with them in the midst of what it is that they're going through. You are doing the ministry of bearing light. And the second is to share the truth with them. The primary truth that you are so loved. God loves you so much. He has good planned for you. Words of truth that affirm the love and plan that God has for that person. Do that work and you are holding the light for them. The next way that, the, that Scripture helps us to understand oneness is that it speaks of, of, of how we need to be one body. A body coordinates its care for itself, right? We're going to look at that a little bit. We're going to read this passage from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says this, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, just, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if your ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Great point, right? If your whole body was an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Do we care for one another the way that our body cares for itself? If you stub your toe you probably have a reaction in your face, right? And your hand maybe goes down and grabs that toe. <laughs> there is an instinct that is built into us to care for the rest of our body. And we are to do that for one another. Also, there are unique things about all the parts of our body. Each, each part has its own giftings, its own abilities, and it strategically uses those giftings and abilities for the benefit of the whole. And that is so important. But we also are one body that has one voice. Listen to how it's spoken of in Romans 15. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as it is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God the Father for our Lord Jesus Christ. When I was in a senior in high school, probably this was uh, just a couple weeks after I had been on this uh, coyote hunting trip, I went to the opposite end of like the uh, event spectrum and I was a part of County Chorus. I don't think there were any shotguns there. And so um, County Chorus is, is a group of singers from different local high schools that come together for one day to practice a bunch of pretty complicated and hard songs and then have uh, a, um, a concert that evening. So one of the interesting things about it, though, when I got there was that this was a collection of really good singers, but they weren't all great at blending their voices with the rest. I sat next to, in the tenor section, next to a guy who I think his full name was Charles, but he, he sat down and he said, hey, call me Chaz. Chaz, I've not known another Chaz except the one that I sat next to in County Chorus. And Chaz loved being a part of County Chorus. And Chaz loved vibrato, my friends. I don't know how many of you know vibrato, but it's when the voice just really fluctuates quickly, oh, right? It's like that, the opera kind of a thing. But Chaz had a really distinct, really loud vibrato. And whenever we would sing songs, his vibrato just like stood way out in, in our section. And, um, and it was a little awkward. 
And uh, that's how a lot of, a lot of what, what was there was. And here we had this really talented group of musicians who were not interested in doing some very key things to become one voice. And that is, you have to listen to each other. You have to humble yourself and surrender and submit your abilities into being a part of something that benefits the whole, right? We need to do that together in order to be one voice. We have to humble ourselves. We have to learn how to listen to one another. And so how can we bring coordinated care? Let's get practical again. The first thing is you need to discover your uniquenesses. God has wired you uniquely and wonderfully. I would love to encourage all of you to tap into your muscle memory. I know that God has already hardwired in you some things that come from natural instinct because of experiences that you have been through in your life. There are things that you do without even thinking about them that are so wonderful and important for the kingdom of God. Some of you are just natural huggers, right? And God's like wired you to be that way. And, there, and, and I have received some of your hugs and I so appreciate it at the right time. Some of you know how to articulate truth in really powerful ways, and you, and, but you've also learned the ability to be sensitive and know the right moment to say that. And you feel that out kind of naturally in a group. God wants to keep honing your talents and make them so natural that it's like muscle memory. The next one is we need to continue to learn about ourselves from tests and teachers. Maybe you want to take a spiritual gift inventory or a, a personality test or a love language quiz and find some other things out about the way that you are wired that you just weren't sure of before. It'll give you a new language to speak about your strengths and your weaknesses. And the final one is to be a lifelong learner. Let's keep reading books. Let's keep remaining humble and teachable. And I believe that God can develop new abilities in all of you. you I don't believe in the, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I don't believe it. Every season of life is here for you to learn in and to gain new abilities that are honoring and glorifying to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and a benefit to those around you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Once we've discovered our weaknesses, then we need to use these discoveries to care for others. So my friends, let's wake up on mission every day. We can wake up our eyes, we can spend some time with the Lord, and we can ask the question, who do you have for me to care for today? Who can I be a blessing to today? I know that I'm a part of a body. I am a part of something bigger than myself, and my life today can be used to benefit and bless other people for your honor and glory. And then, join a team. Don't see yourself as having to be a lone ranger, a rogue agent out there. We are called to be teams. There are ministry teams here at the church that are focused in on helping in specific age groups or specific areas of need that would love to have a person like you with your skills and your ability and your heart posture Come alongside of that team and make that team stronger. We have some sheets out at our Welcome Center that have some of those opportunities listed. Or you could talk to Pastor Daryl or Pastor Mark or myself, Pastor David, Pastor Gary, many others of us that lead ministry areas. And we would love to help you discover an area where you could plug yourself in. And the final one is that we must operate in love. You know, after that chapter 12 that speaks all about the body and then it goes into all the, the, the unique giftings, then it says that if you operate in your gifting but you don't have love, you're like a chaz in a county chorus. <laughs> you're a clashing symbol. You stand out, you make it awkward, you, and, and you take the focus off of where it should be, right? Our lives are about together unifying to put the focus on Jesus, that he gets the glory. And if it's all about us, the light's coming at us in an awkward way that it wasn't meant to. And so 
Let's do everything we do in the love of Jesus, giving him all the honor and glory. The final piece that we're going to look at today is that we're called to be one home with a lasting legacy. When I was doing middle school ministry in 2016, we decided to kind of rebrand our middle school ministry as RISE. And um, that word comes from Ephesians chapter 2. Shortly, you're going to see a, a video that we made to kind of promote this idea to our students. You're going to hear this verse, these verses read from voices of some students from the Summit School of Ministry in Grantville. They're students from Argentina, Nepal, South Korea, Spain, and Romania. And they lended their voice to this beautiful reading of Scripture. Then you're also going to see a mystery unfold. Here's, here's a riddle for you. How can you get ten nails to balance on top of one nail? It's a mystery, but you'll see how it happens in the video. So let's go ahead and play that. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. With Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We are a ragtag group of orphan wanderers who have been found and brought into a house of love, a forever family, the family of our Father God. He started building this family long ago, first through His children of Israel, and then expanding the invitation to all people through the apostles. All of this house is set firmly on the solid, unmovable rock that is King Jesus, whose victory over sin and death through his resurrection, have made him the king forever. There is no power that can ever defeat him or move him. And now, Jesus lives in all who have accepted his free gift of salvation and holds all of us together like the mortar between bricks. And our generation gets built on top of the work of the past generations, and those who come after us will be built upon our generation. And all of us rise together for His glory as the kingdom that will go on forever. pretty cool, huh? Yeah. It's, there's a mystery to it, right? There's a mystery to how all of this works. There's something mysterious and wonderful being built together in ways that first don't make sense. But when you understand the power of Jesus that, ha that lives within us, that has been a part of the generations we can only understand it if we have that relationship with him. He holds us together in amazing ways. Our hope was that the middle school ministry would see that vision and would, would call students to consider putting aside self-focus, small thinking about who they are called to live with and who they're called to live for, and that they'd be called into a bigger community a bigger purpose for their lives, that they would look to rise together for His glory. We want that to be our church. We want to be a church that is for people of all, all geographic locations, all socioeconomic status, all belief systems that we can come together here and hear the good news of Jesus and, and repent of our sins and be forgiven and and transformed into people filled with His Spirit that love and care for one another in ways that stand out in the world. We want our generations ministering to one another here. 
How do we do this? How do we join the lasting legacy? Well, first, we strengthen the structure. We have to address the cracks, my friends. There are cracks in the structure. And, and we, we have to see them, and we have to do something about them. There are elephants in the room with you and some other people. We have to talk about those things. Because it's for the honor and glory of Jesus. That's why. Face-to-face works best when doing this. Whenever possible, get in a room with someone, look them in the eye, help them to know that you love them and care about them, and speak in love about what it is that you feel may be that issue that you have to deal with. Apply the best fix. Be willing to forgive and or make amends. There's oftentimes fault on both sides, right? Get the help of wise counsel if necessary. There are certainly complicated issues that can stand between people that are difficult for those individuals to figure out, but it's worth the work. And when Matthew 18, it talks about conflict resolution strategy, and it speaks about the Holy Spirit uh, being there in the midst, it says that where those people are gathered, anything can happen in his name. Good things can happen even in what seems to be impossible situations if both parties are willing to surrender themselves to the power of the Holy Spirit. The final thing is to commit to working, to keep working, to keep short accounts, not to die on every hill, to have your primary purpose every day be to make peace in your world. We are to be peacemakers. Then we need to expand our vision. Listen to this. You are a part of something ancient, current, and yet to come. Read about the stories of those that have come before you. Consider the faith of the generations that will come after you. You are a part of something global. Pray for your brothers and sisters around the world. And you are a part of something spiritual. Remember, we do not fight against flesh and blood. What does oneness look like? It looks like each one of us focusing our light on King Jesus as being the only one worthy of glory and drawing attention of those around us to do the same. It looks like us caring for one another as we care for our own bodies, bringing life, beauty, and healing to those around us through the using of our time, our treasure, and our talents. It looks like us joining our lives together with those around us to build the home of God's people, providing safety and structure and a sense of belonging to all people that would desire to enter. All of this can only be done in Jesus' name, through his power, and for his glory. And when when we see it, we will know it. When we see it, we will know it. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. But I also want to say this. This is a mystery that is continuing to be unfolded here and we will see oneness and we will know it just like we hear a good piece of music and we know it or we see a good piece of art and we know it. But there will be a time where all of it is understood and all of it is made known. I just want to read a few final passages to you. John 17, Jesus, this is the end of that prayer. He says, Father, I want... These whom you've given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you've loved me even before the world began. One day we will see Jesus in the fullness of his glory. We will see him and we will know him. 1 Corinthians 13 says this, Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows now knows me completely. 
And we're going to close with this passage of Scripture. And I'm going to ask you to just play some music here. And I want us to worship as we read this together. Church, I'm just going to ask you to stand. We're going to read this depiction of the new heaven and the new earth, the place where we will see Him face to face. Revelation 21, 1 through 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Let's pray. Jesus, we receive this hope. We receive the hope that comes from your word right now. You have shown the light of truth on us here today. We can see who you are. You are the Savior that has, that has taken away the sins of all who would place our faith on you. You have called us together to be one body, to be one light, to be one home, to love one another the way that you have loved us and also to bring others in because they see a oneness that they cannot ignore. They see you in us. May we go out into our world today encouraging one another, working for one another, praying for one another, supporting one another, encouraging one another with every part of who you've created us to be. And may it be all for your honor and glory, Jesus. And we look forward to the day when we will see you face to face. We trust you. We love you. And we pray all of this in your power and for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church family. God bless you. We love you. And uh, have a wonderful day. You are dismissed.